1: Roger. Yes, Troy? Hey, baby, I've got the apple. Red and juicy, warm and sweet. All the laughter and the loving that your hungry lips can eat. Only you tonight. My one desire. It's only you tonight, Roger. Only you.
0: What a classic, Troy. A song that I'm sure everyone listening to this podcast probably knows. What about this one?
1: I'm a woman
0: tonight and it frightens me so. I'm a woman on fire tonight. I'm out of control. What about that one? <laughs> you, oh, my God. Taking me home. This movie has some bops. Oh, my God. I mean, I will be independently seeking out the soundtrack to what is killer workout and listening to it on repeat for the next i'd say 2 months straight i
1: can't, i can't think of a better soundtrack from the 80s than this come on Wait, what's that what the song when you wake up looking like mr <laughs> and mrs pig woo, woo, you got to work out work out you got to work out <laughs> oh
0: this whole thing is a time capsule like let let's be clear and i think we could say that a fun, enjoyable soundtrack does not necessarily make for what I would consider to be a fun and enjoyable movie, um,
1: though it sure desperately tries. It, it, des- <laughs> it definitely tries something. Um, what it accomplishes has yet to be seen because we have not even gotten a a review. We've been just so enamored with, with the soundtrack. And guys, if you don't know, we're covering... <laughs> Killer Workout, a.k.a. Aerobicide. Lucky us. Um, <laughs> and lucky you. I will say, I, I genuinely think listeners
0: lucky you. Because, you know, Troy said it before, and I love me a good, somber, <laughs> like, genuine dialogue, a discussion on qu- fine quality cinema. Like last week's episode, The Ring, uh, was truly you and I just talk and shop about what makes The Ring so darn good. This conversation, I feel, today's review of Killer Workout, I think is going to go a completely different direction, and boy oh boy listeners, I dare say that
1: you're in for a treat, because this is really right up our alley, Troy. This has been on my list for quite some time, so I am I am very glad that we are finally getting around to it. Yeah, I thought you know after your pick to ring in the new year was the ring and the heavy subject matter that that film deals with, I, I really thought you know what we got to lighten it up. We got to light it up. So uh, let's go to to a film that, like I said, I have been wanting to cover uh, for quite some time, uh, just because I knew the conversation would be a a very entertaining one, if nothing else. Oh yeah, I mean. The wardrobe
0: alone in this movie, you and I, give us an hour. I don't think it's really going to be enough time to talk about the wardrobe. But but that alone. Or the hair. The hair. Oh, my God. The There's so many things about this movie that make it a viewing experience, honestly, unlike any other. And whether that's good or bad, that's still a, a, a prestigious title to hold. This film, I really can't think of another movie quite like Killer workout and what it's bringing to the table as a slasher <laughs> it is, this is a fucking boatload of
1: nonsense. But but I'm mostly here for it. My question is though is it is it really a slasher? Uh, that I, I, it is okay. It has don't don't come. It has a lot of slasher elements. But at the end of the day, uh, I don't know. I don't know how I would classify this film. To be honest with you it it becomes it becomes many different things and as it goes on it just gets more and more absurd and you know i, <laughs> I, I don't know i mean it, it's hard for me to sit there and, and really heavily hold this film up as a this is an 80s slasher film because while the slasher elements are there i believe by the end of the film they get so heavily buried that it it's hard to remember you're even watching a stalk and slash film or that's what it's supposed to be do you get what i'm saying oh at its core this movie is a tale of vengeance but you don't know that
0: <laughs> until literally probably the last three minutes of the film if that like this film this movie does not know exactly what it wants to be i think really badly they wanted it to be a slasher and that's why like it sets itself up to be that. But you're exactly right. It falls into like such a heavy police procedural approach for the majority of the final act that it loses the, all of the slasher elements. And what really I think is disappointing is that more than anything, the one aspect of this film that's neglected, again, it's certainly not the costuming, it's, it's the kills, it's the gore, it's the violence. And progressively so as the movie goes on. like I don't know if there was some kind of major shift in rewrites or something that happened during the production of this movie, but it goes in a direction that you just would not have anticipated when you started watching this movie. And even characters that like are being set up to be major playing factors within this movie suddenly become afterthoughts, or if they're even approached and revisited again at all, you know, there, there's so many characters that just come and go over the course of this film. I just, I don't know, like, how much of a solid grasp they had on what they wanted in general. Or even if there was, like, a, f- a finalized, like, fully completed script. I'd be really curious to hear about the process of making Killer Workout. Because what they do end up creating at the end of the day is just a very disjointed, confusing... Piece of cinema, um, but it sure is fun because it is very easy to make fun of.
1: Well, let's acknowledge that the film was directed by one David A. Pryor, who we perhaps best know and love for directing a film that we covered oh a while back, um, Sledgehammer. That tracks. That tracks. I mean, so you're 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 seeing on display a film by that level of, of talent, okay? Before we get into the film, guys, thank you for the two of two of you listened to us yesterday or yesterday. It seems like yesterday. Two of you listened to us yesterday. I keep saying, two of you listened to us last week and you went in and gave us uh, a five star rating. So now we were over the 50 mark that we we asked of you so whoever did that thank you thank you we're still looking for for more five star ratings if you want to write us a little review perfect but just go on your apple podcast and hit that five star and we will we will love you forever you know what a relief this is troy for me like the fact that we finally
0: hit not only hit 50, but surpassed it. I feel like I'm not a woman and I don't have breasts, but I see a lot of them on film. And I feel like this is the the same sensation. Like if I were to remove my bra and let my breasts just fucking hang free after a long restrictive day, my God, I'm so fucking happy and relieved to finally have 50 fucking likes. We've been asking for a minute. And the fact that
1: two of you showed up, oh my God, I feel loved. Oh, absolutely! I I I appreciate. We we we've been watching, and when we saw it get up to fifty one, we're like, yes, yes, because that's what we need. We need people. That's how more ears get on the. the, That's how more people find us. Because Apple Podcasts is by far our most uh, listened to podcatcher. Uh, That's the one that where we get most of our listens. So, uh, and if people are searching for podcasts, they tend to populate ones that have more reviews. So that's why they are important to us. Uh, Even you, spot, you Spotify folks, you can give us a rating too, because that helps on Spotify. Uh, We do get a lot of uh, listens from Spotify as well, but thank you guys. I feel like Roger, we need to get our, 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 spandex, our leotards on and get to the gym.
0: Oh my God. If only, if only this was a time period in which these kinds of environments were offered to us as gay men, Um, and as artists, because I think what this film really captures is the artistry of of aerobics. Um, There's a lot of, a lot of footage of women doing aerobics in this film. I mean, as I guess you would expect coming into this movie, but I feel like if you're not watching a shitty police procedural, you're seeing the same shots of women's hips going back and forth in this movie. It is an omnipresent thing, get used to it, but it definitely lives up to like, the original title, like, I am kind of confused why they changed the title um, from Aerobicide to Killer Workout. I thought maybe you could elaborate on that for me. I don't know how well you know the title, but, like, there is a gym element to this, but, my God, the aerobics aspect is so present, and I just feel that original title really kind of grasped
1: what this was a little bit more, what do you think? I don't know. I, I think it's just probably the VHS days they wanted something that sounded more it, it, this came out in eighty seven. I think it was probably filmed a couple of years before, but it came it hit video shelves in eighty seven. So you're thinking that's, you know, sort of just past the golden age of the eighty slasher boom. So I'm assuming they wanted a title that quickly someone could glance at at their local video horror section self and see, oh, killer workout. that's a that's a slasher film. Uh Aerobicides a clever title, but let's be honest, a lot of people might not get the get the pun there, right?
0: Yeah, and it dates it dates itself quite a bit. Like even then, like by the time Aerobics was starting to fade out and not be such a fad, killer workout still sounds of the era, but it, it I think it sustains a lot better, so that's probably what it came down to in the long run as well
1: but the film you know the film opens up i mean this film has like there's constantly a song playing throughout the i mean the sound like we're not exaggerating the soundtrack of this film is just i was actually pleasantly surprised at like all of the different songs that play out throughout this film i don't know who how they got all these you know up-and-coming pop girls like (laughs) i don't know who they are but um just songs everywhere. So even the opening opening song is the one that you were singing that you brought us in. And we, we get some, you know, upbeat music. One two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. And then we get launched into a, a girl, young lady coming home to her apartment. And the, the film really does its best to not show us this woman's head. Um, the camera never shows above her neck or if it does, it's very shadowed. So we don't see who it is, but she's all excited to get home, get, get her, you know, her day dress off and play her answering machine messages. And she has a message from a friend that, that tells her, and this would be me and you, Roger, this would be a, this would be a message. I would leave you that I, Roger, I got a date with that guy that works at the lighthouse. You know, the one with the huge bulge. I, I'm seeing him tonight. Can I borrow your little your little red dress? And you'd be like, girl, yes.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. I'd be thrilled for you. I wish we had these <laughs> calls more often. Um, I'm not joking. We both have lovely partners whom we've met uh, recently, by yes. the way. Troy has a lovely partner, boys, so keep away. Um, <laughs> but um, uh, I do have to say, this woman, the presentation, I don't know, Troy, if you've ever watched Powerpuff Girls. Oh, but yeah miss cerebellum if miss cerebellum was not direct inspiration from this this whole wig thing that they have going on because it yes they're trying to hide her face it's very obvious but like they get real creative with making sure that you do not see this woman's face it is constantly obstructed
1: yeah yeah well after after she hears the the the, from the friend who's going out with the guy from the lighthouse with the huge bulge which Count me in there. Her agent, I guess, is this, leaves her a message and he's like, Valerie girl, you better get your bags packed because you booked it. You were leaving to Paris in the morning. You booked the cover of Cosmo. I'm like, is that how it really works? I mean, she's thrilled, man. I don't know. I'm happy for her. Her little feet are moving up and down. She does a little dance. <laughs> and I, I do love the fact that he's like, oh, well, you better have a great tan because I told him you you did. So this poor girl who just got home from God knows working a nine to five, she just work she's working hard for her money. She has to run back, put her goddamn dress back on, and run to the Sun City tanning parlor at look what appears to be like ten o'clock at night. It's like, honey, you're not going to get a tan that fast. Like you're going to burned, if anything. <laughs> <laughs> well, <and> burn first. <laughs> no, no, I mean. Well, literally. <laughs> literally, oh
0: yeah. I mean, who, Troy? Were you ever a tanner? Like, did you ever go through that? That no. phase? No, no,
1: because right, no, because here's the thing, Roger. You've you've seen me. I'm 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 half Mexican. My dad is Mexican, hence my last name is Escamilla. Right? You've seen me. Everyone see. I am the whitest half Mexican person you've ever seen in your life. Right? Would you not agree? I. <laughs> so I cannot tan. Like I will. I bird like there's no there's no in between. Even if I put like suntan lotion on or whatever, I look like a fucking lobster. So no, I, I don't. And I tanning beds have never I'm claustrophobic, super claustrophobic. That's maybe something you guys don't know about me. But I cannot stand being in a confined space, so a tanning bed right away is a big no-no.
0: That makes sense, and I can confirm that, that Troy does have the milk white skin tone of a young Swedish woman living in a in a, the Alps somewhere, um, very pure, very white. Um, but yes, I you know I I was the opposite, Troy. I had a phase, I had a Guido phase where I wanted everyone to think that I, an Irish Scottish Englishman, um, was in fact an Italian, or I don't know, maybe a Mexican. In person, definitely, definitely. Uh, looking back on it, probably some poor choices. Uh, people did often mistake me for being Hispanic. I I had people be like Boricua, and I was be I'd be like, "What? I don't even know what that means." Um, and I definitely think that I should have toned it down a little bit um, because I dyed my hair black and I dyed my uh, my skin the color of mahogany wood. Uh, so I was I was tanning quite a lot to an unhealthy amount. So now, like looking back, as somebody who does not subject my skin to that anymore because I believe in a thing called skin cancer. Um, you know, looking back, I, I definitely have have kind of a, an, a fear of tanning beds, almost in another way. Like I painted them in a very like bad way in my mind because I know people who have had to have pieces of their skin removed because of them. Um, but but seeing this whole setup here and playing with this fear of a tanning bed and like you mentioned the claustrophobic aspect. Um, for as many hiccups and flaws and bumps in the road as this movie has. I definitely have to say that this this sequence has inspired a multitude of classic scenes that we have seen revisited uh, in a very similar fashion.
1: Oh, you 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 know you know this influenced the uh, the final destination double tanning bed death. Absolutely, absolutely. Which um, b- because what happened? I mean, what happens is this girl goes to get in this tanning bed, and she's. You know, in there she she takes off her her uh her clothes and we see her her milk white breasts hanging down. And she gets in this tanning bed and she's laying there, laying there. And I don't know what happens. Like I guess we just buy that it had a malfunction, right? At least the final destination tanning bed scene had his whole setup in terms of how they got trapped in there and how the tanning beds exploded. This one I guess we just chalk it up to this tanning company would be sued for multi millions of dollars, which obviously did not happen based on the film. But like, I kept thinking what the hell happened? It was just a malfunction. This, this woman would be like a multimillionaire.
0: <laughs> this poor woman. Like she has, she, she can't get the fuck out of this thing. Once it starts happening, like you're right. Like it literally just like makes a noise and then it starts sparking. And like, it is a terrifying <laughs> concept that this could happen. I mean, it was the eighties.
1: Things were not as evolved then. No. Well, she burns to a crisp inside. She's screaming, trying to kick in. Um, and yeah, I mean, this, this tanning bed fries this poor woman. And it, it is horrific just to think about like this really happening. This would be like a horrible, 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 horrible way to go. Um, to, to be burnt to uh, oh boy, but so that's the <laughs> opening. I mean, this this poor woman. I feel so bad for her because like she was just she was gonna go shoot the cover of Cosmopolitan and like the happiest moment of her life, she, she, little feet bouncing up and down. And ten, not more than ten minutes later, she's burnt to a fucking crisp. It's horrible timing for this machine to short circuit. Like it really. Like I get why she's resentful. Something will. Come
0: visit later, um, because God damn it! Like it just really is an unfortunate situation. She's got that T-bar thong on that's riding halfway up her navel, and she's she's ready to go. I and mean, then yeah, this thing just blows up. Well, I mean, it bursts into flame. <laughs> she's screaming. They've got this scream track layered over. It. It's a woman who's just like ah, like she's just she's shrieking. Smoke's coming out. And for what they're capable of doing, for what this movie, I would say, proves. It's able to do. This is, I would say, the closest it comes to being like a true memorable moment of a horror cinema. Like this opening sequence, it's not anything like breathtaking or spectacular. But it is playing with a fresh concept that I don't really think had been approached up to that point. Um, and doing something pretty pretty creative and, and scary with it. I mean, when you see her little feet inside cooking and kicking, and you see her smacking her hands around screaming, and it it is very claustrophobic. They do a pretty okay job with it. I don't think they ever (laughs) surpass it or come anywhere close to it for the rest of the movie.
1: No. Yeah. I mean, they they definitely open... Big, not big because like, yeah, they could have uh, budgetary constraints are definitely obvious throughout this film. And even in this particular scene, I think they do the best with what they can. And there are moments you can definitely tell this is just a mannequin, you know, inside this tanning bed as the as the fire is starting. But like it it is effective. It's definitely cringy. It's going to make you cringe if you think about, you know, what exactly is going on. But after this opening scene. We cut to, and we don't know how long time has passed. We don't know if this is the same workout facility or not. But we cut to what is now Rhonda's workout. Um, And this kicks up the opening credits with the song, Only You Tonight. And we just get a a montage of these broads doing their aerobics. There's close-ups of butts. There's close-ups of legs up in the air. There's close-ups of tits. There's just all kinds of shit going on here. Too much aerobics. And for me to say that...
0: (laughs) Is, is honestly shocking. But it, it, they keep coming back to it. And there is a point in this movie where you're questioning why people keep coming to this place to do aerobics, but they never stop. These women never stop. They do aerobics through the whole movie. Oftentimes the same footage reeled over and over and over. Um, and they do, they make a, they make a strong choice here to open with this kill, or so you think it's a kill, and then they drop it, and they just don't really address it again for a very long time, so you know it's going to come back as a major playing factor. And I do think like there's one thing like right off the bat, immediately when you're introduced to this world, you know you notice the costuming. It's very eye catching. It's very bright. It's very colorful. And and we are going to quickly be introduced to a character here who has a completely different costuming. Style of costuming from everybody else, um, and it is the character of Rhonda, Rhonda, who is dressed from head to toe in fabrics the entire film. Tell me, Troy,
1: did this stick out to you? Was this something that you've noticed? As a- Roger, I, ha- I have, I've, you've hit on a couple things that are big parts, big parts of my notes. A Rhonda and her. Okay, tell, tell me, she does not look like Nancy McKeon. Did you not get lesbian Joe vibes from facts of life? This is Nancy. She looks, she looks a lot like Nancy and She acts like her too. She has the attitude that Joe had in the facts of life. That's all I kept seeing is this is a lesbian. Um, and then <laughs> this
0: is a lesbian.
1: <laughs> this is, uh, I mean, and then the fact that yes, like her character, I know Roger, I know they're trying to do a whodunit. Uh, I get it. I get it. It's supposed to be this big mystery, but, ugh. It is painfully obvious um, from the get-go. <laughs> so I think that, that t- they try to throw in all these red herrings, but it, it just doesn't work because it's so obvious who the killer is. Yeah, I mean, yes, I get, your, I get exactly what you're saying. They give us plenty of, of little clues that something may not be 100% with Rhonda. But she is having to lead this whole aerobics class because her partner, Jamie... Is late and while all these aerobics are going on and we hear we're hearing this holy you tonight. Jamie pulls up in her little BMW. She gets out of the uh the herd her BMW, she drops her purse, and a whole fucking shitload of condoms, Trojan condoms fall out onto the <laughs> onto the parking lot. This broad is horny as fuck. They all are, they all are, but this one takes the cake. Jamie? Are you talking about Jamie? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, Jamie is
0: kind of like... The way they introduce Jamie in this sequence, you really think that she's going to be the final girl. I mean, why is she getting all of this attention? And Rhonda, you're right. I think it's best for this review in general if you and I just get it out there to the public and just say it. Rhonda's the killer. And I don't think we need to beat around the bush in acknowledging that. That's why I brought up the clothing. Because Rhonda is very, very, very... Uh, heavily clothed for being leading this class and and she sticks out like a sore thumb Um, but she's also just the most suspicious person in the whole movie like she's very suspect and i really thought it was going to be like Rhonda up against jamie and jamie being the cute little vixen who develops into what is the final girl i am very confused by what they do with this character of jamie
1: they are they're setting Jamie up to be who we think is going to be the, like you said, our the character that we are going to follow throughout the film, the one that we can, you know, as as the audience connect with. I mean, I don't think she necessarily has a lot of personality, but she's given little things that make her stand out. Like I said, the condom spilling on the onto the uh, the parking lot. Something she does here in a few minutes in the men's locker room. It's all these little things that make her okay, especially as as gay men, we're like, yeah, girl. Yeah, but you know um, the thing with Rhonda being the killer. I'm glad you brought it up. Sorry, guys, if you if we're spoiling it, but I don't really think it's a spoil because there are literally there's nobody else that could be the killer in, in certain scenes. Like she is it. Like there's nobody else that could be where the killer is at that specific time when 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 the whole place is crawling with cops and she's. It's just like ugh, it just frustrated me because. They, they spent so much time trying to give us these red herrings, but then on the flip side, they make it so fucking obvious that she is the killer.
0: I, I agree on that. I mean, this film definitely boasts a, a lot of red herrings, but one thing it does not boast is a, as a capable, competent editor. And I think one of the, the the greatest flaws of this film is like, I think if this film had an editor who understood suspense and you know what it takes to develop that, um, I, I just think that this film could have maybe played with some of these ideas um, in a little more subtle way that would have made it not as easy to pinpoint Rhonda as being the killer. But this film, I mean, talk about an editing nightmare. This film is all over the place it's spending way too much time focusing in the wrong areas not enough time focusing on the right aspects it focuses on the wrong characters it gives characters development when they don't need it it doesn't develop other characters i mean it's just fucking all over the place and the editing here like right off the bat it just sets a really bad tone for what just continues to spiral out of control
1: well, one red herring we are introduced to right away is this Tony dude who, as Jamie's rushing in to get to her class because Ron is having to teach it, she runs into Tony, and you know he's being all like handsy with her, like grabbing her And He's like, "Ooh, what's the zipper for?" He's just being real creepy. There's also a guy who, during the class, approaches Rhonda, who is who the film really wants us to think the killer is, and it is Jimmy, and God. Roger, I am sorry. One thing I cannot forgive this film for is casting two actors who look exactly the fucking same to play Jimmy and Tony. I, I, same, man, same. Oh, it's so annoying. Because I could not tell them. apart. I mean, I finally, by like my third view, I'm like, okay, okay. Goddamn. Like they look exactly the same. And I'm not exaggerating. The same haircut, the same black hair. They're both, they're both like of Italian descent. So they have the darker. I'm like, what the fuck? And then you get, it's, it's really tough to tell these two apart. And they are both like supposed to be these brooding, like stalker, creepy guys. And it's like, this really just could have been one character, right? Why do we need two? because Tony ultimately becomes worthless all it do, all having the Tony character in this film did was fucking confuse me because he looks so much like Jimmy and ultimately Tony has nothing to do it becomes the Jimmy show by the end of the film
0: there's a bunch of male characters that you only see for like a scene or two and then they get killed off that gay couple that work out together. It, the the one with the, who finds his lover dead and then he yeah, is yeah. immediately <laughs> dispatched. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Listen, but yeah, I mean, like this film has no idea th- who's existing within the world. Like it's just kind of throwing people in willy nilly and and not establishing like who they are and how they're connected, even within the gym. Like I get it. Yeah, there's a ton of people that come here to work out, but it's not like they give all of these characters like time to develop and. You know, little individual moments to really give you an idea of who they are and why we should care. Like, you'll be introduced to a person and literally within four seconds they are deceased. Like, (laughs) it is crazy. There's so much additional character fodder here
1: that this film just did not need. Basically, we get our first inkling of how bitchy Rhonda can be, and I, I guess I don't blame her, but she's like really just aggressive because she, when Rhonda shows up late, she pulls Rhonda in her office and like scolds her for being late, and it's like you can't do this to me. This place is way too important, and Rhonda's like, "I'm sorry," um, but I mean, I feel like this this Rhonda character throughout the whole film is like so shrill um, and condescending. And so uh, it goes back to me saying like, it's so obvious that she's the killer. Like, what, it, what was the, from a screenwriting perspective or a character development perspective, if you wanted your audience to be surprised that Rhonda was the killer, then why aren't you making her more sympathetic? Why aren't you making her a sweet character that you wouldn't expect to be a, a mass murderer with a giant safety pin? Instead, this film, they take her right for the jugular because she is a mega, mega bitch The entire film, aggressive. So again, it's one of those things where like as a screenwriter, I would have made this, if I wanted my audience to be shocked that Rhonda was the killer, I would have made her less killer-like in her approach with people.
0: What this film is trying to do is eventually build up to a reveal that is like in the vein of what Sleepaway Camp did for Angela. They want to do that with Rhonda, and like the, the the shocking reveal that this whole time the person that you've been following and at least as approaching as what you think could be the heroine is actually the bad guy, is the villain, and you never would have expected it. But yeah, Rhonda, like they don't even give motivation as to why she's just so mean to people. Like right off the bat, she's being so shitty to Jamie. She's shaming her. She, she has this whole moment here in the locker room coming up where Jamie is as you mentioned fondling a jock strap and she <laughs> walks in and like she starts making fun of her and like okay but like everything she does seems like it comes from a really hostile nasty area and because of that like there is no reason to like her um it's not explained i mean i guess maybe her being cooked alive in a tanning bed is good motivation for her to be resentful and i know at the end of the day it's supposed to be revealed that she does resent all of these beautiful people for what they have the beauty they have um
1: but they should have just been a little more subtle with it it's just so heavy-handed yeah, I I don't like I don't like the Rhonda character. I don't. There's not one likable thing about her. Even when people start dying, she's a total bitch. Like, all she cares about is keeping the, the place open. But but yeah, I mean, so Jamie's, Jamie Jamie it seems like really apologetic. She's like, I'll even take you to dinner, and Rhonda's like, whatever, go clean up. And so there's this whole moment where you know all of the girls that just finished the aerobics class, they're all getting dressed and prepared to leave. Uh, including one, the one the straggler who is the final one to get in the shower, and her friends like, "Oh, you better hurry up or you're gonna melt in there." And little, little, just jabs back and forth. And the one's like, "Okay, you can be, you'll be at my place at nine, right?" She's like, "Yes, I'll be there." Uh, and Jamie's saying bye to them all at the door, including Tony. Maybe that's who she has all these condoms for. And it's, I'm assuming it's Tony's jock step. Strap! She's sniffing here in a minute because she's all flirty with me. It's like, meet me at the club at 10 o'clock. And she's like, yeah, I'll be there if you're lucky. And he's like, I'm always lucky. And they're all very flirty. Yeah. Meanwhile, the the girl that's in the shower by herself, someone comes in and turns the lights out. And this is our first real death scene of the film. And talk about, you know, psycho, inspired shower scene this is basically uh, their attempt to recreate the shower scene in psycho but with a giant safety pin which is the killer's weapon of choice this poor woman just trying to shower before she goes you know out for a night of drinks is brutally hacked to death with a giant safety pin including what you know is a pretty effective moment where the safety pin goes into her neck, the side of her neck and it's pulled out and then just blood starts. I actually thought that was pretty well done. And you even have like she even does the Janet Lee slow slide down the wall, the shower wall and everything. It's I mean, I don't want to say it's a rip off of psycho, but it's the shot it's the psycho shower scene. It is the psycho
0: shower scene. And it really isn't awful. Um I I think there's already a few things that like it does not do in its favor to set up this moment. First of all, like who is she like <laughs> her name is Rachel. They do mention it after the fact, but any first kill you know at least you want to get an idea of who it is who the victim is something about them and you get nothing you get this interaction between her and this blonde Kathy who you literally don't see again until the end of the movie when she gets killed so so you get real just paper thin development the thinnest so then you go you go into this whole sequence and the curtain opens and <laughs> And the killer branches this fucking massive <laughs> safety pin. And your reaction, really, I think more than anything, is just like, whoa, whoa like, <laughs> like, where do you get a safety pin this large? <laughs> like, where does one procure this safety pin? It's very big. It's comedically oversized. And so you're like, okay, like, I really, like, I don't even know what this could do to, to hurt somebody but so they start stabbing them stabbing the woman with the, with the, the safety pin and and you don't see any penetration you hear like tearing which is kind of effective but all you get is people like gritting their teeth looking into the camera like Ugh. <laughs> like you see them like grunting as there's it's being implied that they're being stabbed and there's just such like a, a disconnect between what's happening with this fucking safety pin and what's happening to this girl, it's not until you do have that shot, you are right, of her putting her hand up over her neck. I'm sure they had a tube placed or something. Blood starts pouring out. She slides down. Actually, it is It is a quite an effective conclusion. But that safety pin, man, I can't get past it because it's just such a, an irrational weapon to use. <laughs>
1: Well, it's an odd choice. I don't know how it really connects to anything. Like, I could see it being a. I could see it. It, it wouldn't. It could be a cool weapon if there was some symbol uh, symbology behind it in terms of the film and the what happened. But there's no. no there's no reason for this to be a giant safety pit. I, I don't get why this was the weapon of choice. Yeah, if it would have been established, like maybe, like if they would have shown her, like working with real big
0: fucking safety pins at one point, I would have been like, oh, okay. Like, I, at least there's a reason for this to be the weapon. But it never comes back into play. It's not, like, associated with anyone's hobbies or crafts. You, it, it, it's just kind of occasionally there, occasionally utilized. Um, and, and then it's kind of an afterthought at a certain point. Like, once she uses it the last time, it's not like it comes into play or the killer calls it out or they recognize it being tied to something. It's just much like many other aspects of this film, just like kind of a throwaway, you know, it it doesn't have any real ties to anything,
1: which is, yeah, which is sad because it is such a unique weapon of choice. And I just would have liked to have had it tied to the, the film, the the killer, the motivation of the killer a little bit more, but uh, yeah. So this poor Rachel is brutally, safety pin to death. Uh, we do get the scene with Jamie, Jamie going into the men's locker room, cleaning out the locker room when she does um, go into the men's locker room. And I'm assuming she gets into Tony's locker and she literally pulls out his jock strap and she's like fondling it, sniffing it. And this is when Rhonda comes up behind her. It just like is really just bitchy. She's like laughing. And it's not like, you're right. It's very um, condescending and, and just being a, Kind of a cunt tour. She's kink shaming her, Troy. She's straight up kink shaming. Yeah, I mean, come on, it's a jockstrap. Hey, we all we all have one. <laughs> let her have what she, let her have her fun with it. All she's doing is this, she ain't hurting anybody. So she goes into the you know she she's like okay whatever. She goes into the women's locker room. She hears a noise and she opens the locker and this like what is with this arm. This fake arm in this locker. Who did this and why? I don't know. But this fake arm is in this locker. And every time you open it, it falls out and scares scares you. So she gets scared by this fake arm. But then all of a sudden, the other locker next to it opens up. And that's when Rachel's body does fall out onto the floor all bloodied.
0: It is not at all... Mentioned again. I mean, there is another moment where the cop sees the hand, but after that, like this hand, this whole little joke that's being played, uh, it is never again approached. Um, and again, much like I said, much like many thoughts and many ideas brought up over the course of this movie, throwaways. A lot of things that get brought into the storyline for the betterment of the moment, but it doesn't at all benefit the storyline whatsoever. We're going to be talking about a group of teenagers coming up here soon vandalizing things. We'll talk about that moment. Throw away ideas, not connected, never brought up again. It, it's, it kind of makes me angry. I'm going to be honest, because there's just so many things in this movie that make it feel so bloated and so weighed down that the, the core storyline itself actually suffers because of it. Oh,
1: I 100% agree. So so like you go back to your comment about the editing. This the editor needed to be a little bit more chop happy with this film because yes, there are scenes going way too long, there are scenes that could have just been cut. But so we get this body found in in the locker room of this uh gym, which I feel like it would be enough to shut down like any I'm sorry, like if my local Planet Fitness had a body f- that fell out of a locker in the locker room. I'm I'm pretty confident that it would have been shut. It would be shut down for, you know, a few days that does not happen here, but uh, the police Lieutenant does show up and he <laughs> make this make sense. He finds a, a bloody knitting needle in the locker that Rachel's body was in, who we find out is another customer, Diane, it's her locker. But like, what is with this bloody knitting needle? Yeah, and again, it's an interesting idea, but they waste it. Like I'm trying to think that like like was did Diane have her knitting supplies in her locker, and it just got bloody because the body was put in there, or was it put in there to throw cops off? I, I was wondering about this knitting needle because it's mentioned numerous times in the film, um, and he even puts it in a bag. And like he goes to Rhonda's office um, where Jamie's in there. And there, you know, he starts asking, how how well did you know her? And like I said, immediately, immediately, Rhonda is just a fucking bitch. Like, you would think she'd want to be helpful. She'd want to be concerned. Like, oh, my God. What am I? No, she just on the attack with this lieutenant. And all he's doing is, like, asking questions that are logical, considering a fucking dead body was just found in your establishment.
0: But we also got to acknowledge real quick that this is lieutenant – is also one of the most incompetent cops we have ever seen, detectives we've ever seen, in a film to date. Like I am genuinely in awe of how many times this guy breaks protocol over the course of this film. First thing he does, first time you see this Morgan, he walks into the room and he immediately barehanded proceeds to just open the door of the locker, and he's just touching things. He's picking up, he picks up the needle, the the knitting needle. Fingerprints, my friend, have been around since, like, the early 1900s. Like, he's not even wearing gloves. He's just getting all up in all the evidence. uh, And he just handles himself really poorly. Like, he does not seem like he knows what he's doing, and it doesn't seem like a character choice. It really seems like an actor who was not kind of given the right direction on how to play a cop. Cause it does make this guy seem kind of like a bumbling fool up to the very end. And um, it really does not make for his character to be any more likable.
1: Well, yes. I mean, you are right. This is an incompetent t- cop. I feel like, like I said, any normal cop. I-, I just feel like one of the big flaws with this movie that makes it just laughable is the fact that all of these bodies are found in this establishment and nobody ever shuts it down. Like I can't imagine like you would not allow people to come back into this establishment when a dead body was found, let alone seven dead bodies because people are just waltzing through the crime scene. I mean, using the same shower that this poor broad was just stabbed in. I mean, come on. What cop would allow that? Like it would be no, shut this place down, we're, we're, uh, yellow taping it and we are going to gather some evidence. No, they're just letting these fucking big-titted women come in there, doing their aerobics like normal, stamping all over evidence. I'm like, come on! It's just it becomes absurd that this place has been allowed to stay open throughout the whole film.
0: Well, it's not even like they're hiding it from the public. Like they make it clear that the public is informed, but people insist on continuously coming back to this place. Like it doesn't seem really like the volume of attendance is being affected at all by this quickly growing number of bodies (laughs) is being found in this gym. And I also want to acknowledge the body removal guys. Do you notice how they they carry the bodies out? It's not like they have a gurney or anything. They zip them up and then... (laughs) They they pick it up like a like a bag of potatoes, like, <laughs> throw it
1: over their shoulder. <laughs>
0: they, 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 they they like lift it. It's like it's like slumped in the like the, <laughs> the person in the bag is like all like it's all like bent in the middle. Like there's no respect for the dead at all. <laughs> and um and these it's the same guys every time. Keep an eye out for them. Uh, they're really scene stealers when you see them. But yeah, no, it just it it is baffling because. They do keep using the same footage of the same people working out. And these people look as happy as ever <laughs> going through these exercise routines. And nobody cares. Like, why is nobody faced by the what ends up being? I think it's like 12 victims. Like, this is not a, a, a small body count. This killer
1: does manage to kill, like, tw- at least Twelve people. Roger. Even when they are, even when we get that gay couple that is literally murdered on the gym floor, nobody gives a shit. I mean, it's this is absurd. It's absurd. <laughs> this is.
0: <laughs> this place is operating, and somehow this small framed woman is able to just dis- dispose of. Two very muscular men, and nobody bats an eye to it. I don't even think they closed the gym in the middle of like removing the bodies. I'm pretty sure we are we are
1: they're still working. <laughs> like on. We get believe. scenes of them still working. They're oh. the girls are out there doing their little kicks and shit while the people are taking them, <laughs> slinging the bodies over their shoulder. And oh my God. <laughs> they,
0: these women will not stop for anything, and they, if anything, that's admirable. I <laughs> Yes, if you if you have a hobby and you're that passionate about it, all right. But it does not make for a sensical filmmaking. And so here we are.
1: <laughs> oh my- you got to work out. You got to work out. You got to work out. Uh, okay, so it is mentioned by this detective that the body was found in Diane Matthews' uh, locker. So he asks what they know about Diane Matthews and Rhonda discloses – Again, let's try to paint the red herring as deep as we can because Diane's like, oh, she's kind of weird. She she doesn't fit in. She's jealous of us. Like we go to the we go to the bars and stuff and she just sits there and watches us. Well, did it ever occur to you, Rhonda, to invite the poor girl over and let her come and have a drink so she doesn't have to sit there and stare at you? I mean, come on. Diane looks like a sweetheart. Yeah, but how you barely fucking see her. You barely see this girl. she seems, but you know what, she has a sad life, Roger. She goes home, she calls, do I have any messages? It's Diane Matthews, and no, no, and she's so sad. But she looks like a a very capable woman. Here's the thing, like, it's not like they have her, like, I don't know,
0: looking all rough in the face, or like some mongoloid. I don't know, like, she looks like a, a, a relatively normal, pleasant woman with a good sense of style, and she's here at the aerobics class so she's in shape it it appears she's got a nice fucking apartment as we come to find later and there's no reason to be so mean to this woman but for some reason she's like the fucking outcast everyone's treating this woman like shit no explanation
1: <laughs> oh and Rhonda has to say that she is concerned that if this makes the news that it's not going to help business well no shit no shit So we cut to another workout scene with Jamie now is leading this one. Uh, and this is when we get introduced to the weight room with these two studs. I, I am convinced they're gay lovers and I'm here for it because they're both good looking guys. And you know, but they are, they are, they're, they're talking about the dead body that was found (laughs) in the gym the night before. And neither of them seem phased. Roger. Instead, the ones like, Oh, well, did you fuck her first? He's like, oh, I wish she was hot.
0: The men in this film are detestable, like detestable. Every single man, whether it be that one man that I guess is two men, but I'm still believed is one actor playing two different roles, uh, Tony and Jimmy. uh, They're both physically accosting women trying to unzip their blouses. Uh, Jimmy ends up stalking Rhonda to the point of killing somebody. I mean, none of the men here are at all likable. Several of them are mentally unstable. It really paints a bad picture for men across
1: the board. Which is interesting because, like I said, it is written and directed by none other than Ted Pryor, who makes his debut in this scene, because as these two guys are talking, he's over in the corner lifting his weights, doing his barbell curls. And let me tell you, Roger, he sure... Likes to show off his muscles because we get lots of close-ups of his biceps curling and bulging as he's as he's doing those curls. We're getting close-ups on him, so you know he's trying to show it off. He's all oiled up. Oh, he's all oiled up. Looking good. Looking better than he did in Sledgehammer because you could actually see him in this film.
0: I mean, well, this like let's let's give a moment of of, I guess of credit uh, to to him as a as a filmmaker. I mean, if this is his follow-up to Sledgehammer. It's, it's still a step up. I mean, and it's a big step, and it's still, <laughs> it's still very bad, but, I mean, not on the technical level of, of Sledgehammer. It's clear at least he upped his game uh, and managed to make something that looks a
1: little bit better, but that's not really saying a whole lot here. Rhonda, okay. Again, let's add another hash mark to the cunt column for Rhonda because... Jamie's leading this class and she's actually doing a good job. Rhonda comes out there and, okay, come on. Why would they Why would they give us this scene? Because it sets up like her motivation right away, right? She literally scolds Rhonda. She's like, ow, oh, what are you doing? We're getting enough negative publicity without you showing off your tits and your tight little ass. Just teach the class, will you? I mean, and this is what, 15 minutes into the movie. There you go. There's your motive right there.
0: Oh, and it's, again, it's so heavy-handed, and poor Jamie, like, yeah, she looks hot, but she doesn't look any different from anyone else. It's not like she's, like, just standing there, like, rolling her tits in her hands, like, just be, just be, like, look at me. He's, like, she's, you know, she's just, she's just doing aerobics class like any other gal. Um, and and Ronda's response, it is so aggressive out of nowhere, um, you can't help but acknowledge it. And so they're not subtle at all. With any of these choices with her. But it's still on the trajectory that it is making Jamie still feel like a focus at this point.
1: Yes. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You're like, oh, Jamie, yes. Uh Jamie's being treated horrible by Rhonda, but that's okay because Jamie's gonna be the final girl that we can root for. But unfortunately, that's not what happens. Rhonda does go into her office and we immediately see that Chuck Dawson, who is, you know, Ted Pryor, he is in her filing cabinet, just snooping away. And of course, she's immediately aggressive. She's like, what the hell are you doing in here? Get out of here. And he's like, well, you know what? You might want to calm down because your senior partner hired me yesterday. Uh, she's like, what? What are you talking about? He's like, yeah, uh, I'm eager to get to work. So what do you, think you want me to do? And she's like, yeah, the toilet needs scrubbing. He really, I mean, that explains a lot,
0: uh, knowing that he's the director, because they, they definitely oil the fuck out of this man. And put him in short little shorts. And then they give him a lot of chances to do all these big fight sequences. Um, that makes a lot of sense to me. Uh, the way this character is introduced, he's very like cocky and confident. And he has this apparent swagger to him. As you learn, he's able to seduce women very easily. I don't feel like I get enough of the, enough of this character to really explain to me... What is going on? Like, I know he's been hired on. I know we find out a little bit later. I think that he's a, he's working, he's also a cop in San Francisco. Is he like a, is he a detective? Like, what exactly is his title?
1: He's a private detective that, that after the girl was murdered, this poor Rachel, the, the senior partner actually did hire him, but not as a gym janitor or a gym helper. He hired him to, sp- investigate like who is who is doing this
0: yeah and it's it's something that like it's it's kind of an interesting concept he is a character that adds like a, a new kind of angle that that keeps the story kind of moving but he's just another character that just is kind of wasted you know like he could have really had so much more of an impact on the story um and once it gets to a certain point he's the like the way they treat this character and end up disposing of this character
1: I don't know, man. it's just kind of all over the place. I was very surprised because I totally forgot what happens to this character and it surprised me on a lot of levels and'll we'll, I'll, I'll mention it I'll elaborate when we get there, but I was like, oh shit, I do not remember that and that is quite uh quite surprising. I was actually quite surprised by the whole by his whole outcome but uh we so we get this moment where he decides he's going to uh you know act as the janitor, so he takes some trash out. When Jimmy pulls up and almost hits him with his car. And we get this whole confrontation. And it's the first battle between Jimmy and Chuck that that we get multiple immediately they hate each other. Uh and Jimmy for some reason, I don't know, does Jimmy even know? Like just does, Jimmy doesn't even know who this is, right? So why does he he's like immediately he's like, you better stay away from Rhonda. Like why would he even think like he doesn't know this guy. Why would his even think that he has once anything to do with Rhonda.
0: i think what they're really trying to do here is establish um with jimmy's character that he is obsessive with Rhonda, and that right off the bat he's being irrational because another guy who's apparently attractive uh and very very heavily oiled uh has shown up and I think he immediately takes him as a threat. I don't necessarily think Chuck has wants anything to do with Rhonda sexually. It never at least it never reads that way. Um, but I think Jimmy is supposed to be so unhinged that he just sees this other male as a threat and he is, you know, the alpha. In the situation, and so he's going to go up and he's going to fuck him. Tell him what's what. Um, it, yeah, but it doesn't translate really well because you know the guy that's playing Jimmy is one of the worst actors I've ever seen in my life, and so like it just comes off as very wooden. And none of the the threats or the banter between these guys feels unhinged. It just kind of fe- it feels like two bros just trying to like one up each other. So it doesn't it doesn't really land. This whole fight feels really forced.
1: Yeah, well it it escalates quickly. He tells him to stay away from Rhonda. Chuck says something like you you don't know who you're talking to, and then all of a sudden he tries to hit him and it just erupts into this giant fucking fist fight. And let me tell you, these fight scenes last a long time. I I I will give the filmmakers credit for for having a stunt coordinator, apparently, which I'm assuming was probably the director, but like the blocking, doing the blocking, and everything. Yes, it looks very hokey, but you know, as a filmmaker, I know as a filmmaker, these these types of scenes are not easy to film. So and there's a lot of them in this film, so I will give them credit for for that. But yeah, it's this long drawn out fil- fist fight when, uh, in the midst of it, Debbie fucking love Debbie, the, another character that I would I, well, she she disappears exactly. This is Debbie. De- Debbie's one of my favorite workout girls at the beginning because she's she's really into it. She's staring in the camera. She has that hair. She's, she, I, I love Debbie and like she disappears, but she she gets turned on like her puss gets wet watching these two men fight because after Jimmy leaves, she literally goes up to Chuck and she's like, Oh, that was pretty great. <laughs> and he he's like, do you know him? And she's like, yeah, I, I dated him. Or I went out with him once. And then she's like, you want to go for a ride? And they get, they go for a ride. And he, she takes him to her house. And the, the whole time this, she's a knockout, she's a knockout, she's a knockout song is playing. And She is a knockout. When she comes out and she's
0: in that blue fucking string bikini, her knockers, <laughs> just big old knockers looking, looking good though. Good for you, girl. She knows what she's got. But yeah, Debbie. What's interesting to me, Debbie could have been consolidated into a, one of about seven other girls in this movie. And I wouldn't have batted an eye like it really is it makes no sense that they like give her this this Moment of development with with Chuck, uh, and they have this whole scene where they go back to her house, and they very clearly have sex because he's so suave. And like, I mean, she's ripe for the killing. At least fucking kill this poor girl. You know, at least give her a kill scene. Don't make her so sensual. She comes in, she's smoldering hot. She she's so
1: ready to fuck this guy right off the bat, and then you never see her again. It's weird, man well she serves a purpose because while they're in her backyard um you know he's asking about Jimmy and she's like yeah I dated him but he was weird uh and he asks like how is she how is he weird and he's like well he likes to tie girls up and stuff and i just wasn't into that and then he asks her for his address and she's like why you want to date him and he's like no 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 i might want to go pay him a visit tonight so she goes inside and gets him his address Me- meantime, there's a phone sitting out they're in the middle of this backyard and keep in mind this is the 80s there's this phone that's sitting there that is clearly not plugged into anything. And he picks it up and is like acting like he's, I guess he's talking to the guy that hired him. He's like, yeah, yeah, I'm going to find, I'm going to find it out. I'm in the process now. And then Debbie comes back out with Jimmy's uh, phone number. Yeah. She's wearing that fucking hot blue bikini. He's like, thank you for the address. I better go. And she's like, oh no, why are you going to go? And he's like, I got a lot of work to do. She's like, well, I think you got some work to do here. And, I'm assuming they fuck because they start to make out. And you never see her again. You never see her again, which is a shame. Because I like, Debbie was, Debbie caught my attention right from the get-go.
0: That whole banter moment when she's seducing him. Oh my god, it's so fucking it's so clearly written by a man. She just comes out in that fucking (laughs) that fucking bikini. I think you've got some work to do here. And he just goes in for it. Like right away, you're introduced to
1: Chuck. Immediately he's fucking somebody. You know it's the director. So we get another workout session at the at Rhonda's workout parlor. Uh, with the song Workout. And I love this. I love this song because this is really like, if this doesn't make you f- feel like a fat ass and that you just need to work out the lyrics of this, you could not get away with this today, but it's, it's like, if your body's looking like, if your body's looking too big and you're starting to look like Mr. Hippo or Mrs. Pig, you got to work out. You got and this whole, the whole lyrics of this song, like I said, this would not fly today. It's body shaming to the extreme. It's like if you're, your fats, you, you can't see your feet anymore. I mean, like, whoo, there, there, there's some lyrics in here that... Only in the 80s, Roger, only in the 80s. Yeah, a lot of elements about all of this and how they treat,
0: like, the body, not just the weight, but later on how they treat, like, Rhonda's burns and, and what some of the things that are said about her. Also, very off-color, would not hold up today.
1: Well... Jimmy is is in why who just allows this man to sit and gawk at all these girls? Like he is just standing there gawking at all these girls. But we do have Diane, lovely Diane. I mean, she's she's matronly looking, I guess. All the other girls, you know, are like look their age. She has a bun. They, they try to make her look matronly, but she's trying her best to get Jimmy's attention. Like she's rubbing her tits. She's trying to open her blouse. He's not wanting anything to do with it. To the point when the workout session is over and she's leaving, he's like, she goes up to him. She's like, hey, Jimmy, what are you doing tonight? He's like, I-, I don't have any plans. What about you? And she's like, oh, I have no plans either. He's like, oh, well, that's too bad. And just like turns around and ignores her. Oh, my God. This poor girl. She looks so normal
0: is the thing. But okay. Yeah. I mean, they're all just blatantly bullying her. Um, and And, you know, she leaves she leaves and you have this little moment where she walks back to her house. And it took me a second to even like kind of figure out like, Oh my God, like we're now we're following this girl now because Debbie had been mentioned once before. But again, like these girls get lost in the sea of faces. I didn't even fucking know who she was until literally this
1: moment. And all of a sudden we're following her. Okay. But Roger, why? Let me, let me ask you this question. Why is the killer following her home to kill her? When we know that when we find out what the motive of the killer is, like everyone is treating Diane like she's some pariah, like she's the outcast of this workout facility, like she's homely, she she doesn't belong. So why is the killer following her home to specifically kill her? It doesn't make any sense. It makes even less sense because Troy, the murder
0: weapon that has been found in the locker, whether or not it was intentionally left there, let's say it was dropped out of her bag, I don't fucking know. The knitting needle is still a piece of evidence, you know? Like, so so for the, the killer, for who is Rhonda, you know, uh, for her to decide to kill this girl off next is really just kind of just saying, like, oh no, she's not a suspect. <laughs> don't even worry about her. Like, she's kind of just Throwing that away. So, why does that knitting needle, that piece of evidence knitting needle, even play such a major factor? I think it's the reason why Morgan follows her to her house and is pounding on the door, um, sounding like a fucking idiot because he does not sound like a police officer at all. He sounds like he's going to murder this poor girl, which is why she has an answer. But, you know, it's this little bit of piece that's tying her to the story, and then she's killed off right away. And Again, it's just it's just this like one concept, this loose idea that gets kind of just thrown to the wind.
1: Yes, yes, you are right. Morgan follows her because he's suspicious that she's the killer. Because he even radios in, he's like, "You got to tell me, you got to tell me what you uh, find out about that knitting needle, like ASAP. I need to know. Uh, so re- message me as soon as you find out." Well, she, in the meantime, she gets home. She, she must not live that far from the workout place. She gets home. She does have that little sad moment where she calls in to get her messages and find out finds out that she has no messages and um yeah he starts like pounding on the door and i have that same note that like you for a cop you are not sounding like a cop he is aggressively roger pounding on this door he's saying let me in let me in open this door and it it's understandable she is terrified she's terrified uh so she does not open the door she backs away and when she turns around Unfortunately, the killer somehow got into her house. And we get the lamest death scene ever recorded. We just see the safety pin raise up and go down, but it like doesn't even go anywhere near her. And she's like, ugh, oh, uh. Oh. And then at the same moment, the detective Morgan kicks the door down, which is quite a great like, how who are you to do you have a warrant? Like he's just kicking people's doors down. And the killer literally jumps out the second story window and takes off running.
0: I mean, it's it's a kind of, I guess, a cool sequence, how it's all timing out and building up. It just, none of the motivations, like, make sense. Like, even her, like, he is saying that he's a police officer. I guess she's fucking terrified. But I would be like, why are you here? Why are you pounding on my door? Like, I, I would at least, I guess, maybe ask as to why. She starts freaking out. She's immediately killed by the killer who's in this location. Again, we've mentioned, like, what is the killer's motivation for wanting to kill this girl off? Like, this could have easily played in the killer's favor, having an extra suspect, you know, being able to do these things without being as as obvious as Rhonda is. So her decision to kill, I guess, if anything, maybe it's, like, knowing that Morgan is going there. Maybe it's more of almost, like, a fuck you to, the, to him and to the police. Like, is she almost, like, kind of doing it
1: on purpose? Like, what do you think? Or that she knows that the knitting needle is going to come back as not the weapon because she knows that he thinks that that's the the knitting needle. Because remember he slams it in front of her. He's like, have you seen this before? So I think that maybe she knows it's going to come back as not being the murder weapon. So she's just going to dispatch of Diane right away. I don't know. It makes zero sense. That's my point with this whole scene. It just makes zero sense. Particularly. Like I said, when you figure out like what the killer's motive is, this makes even less sense. You know what I mean? Because like everyone acts like Diane is, like I said, not attractive, not one of the, you know, not worthy of being with, you know, in, in, at this workout studio. So I don't know, but he does, he does break in, he finds the body and then he gets the radio call and it's his partner being like, Hey, detective, the knitting needle was not the murder weapon. I repeat, the knitting needle is not the murder weapon, and he's like, "Oh no, shit!" You know. And then we cut back to the to the to the gym where someone is washing off the bloody safety pin, and it can only be one person because then, like, Rhonda comes waltzing out and she bumps into Jimmy, who is like, "Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't scare you. I didn't mean to scare." You. And she's like, "You don't scare me." <laughs> Why is she so? sassy with him <laughs> she's sassy with everybody you know that's the problem like i said it just it makes it really 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 hard to not know that she is the killer i mean so outside this is when we get a scene that i guess whatever they what they needed to up the they needed to up the body count right so they do because we just get these random teenagers who show up to the spa to vandalize it and they spray the word aerobicide on the glass and death spa which i find ironic because death spa is the name of a film that um came out maybe at, what it came out a year or two after this one and it's basically like the same plot like somebody killing people at a uh at a gym so i, I wonder if they got the title death spa from this particular scene but these teenagers are wreaking havoc. Uh, the boy whose name is Curtis hops the fence to the back of the uh, facility and he's immediately grabbed and stabbed to death with, with which with what I'm assuming is the safety knee or the, the safety pin, right? It does you can't really see it. It's a real weird edit.
0: Cause they, they try to like involve like shadow play and it just, I, I don't, I don't understand like exactly what's happening and then it cuts over and all of a sudden his throats cut. So what I'm thinking is that she, that, that she took the needle and, and she just slashed his throat, like cut his throat open. But doesn't she? Does she have a blade in this sequence? With the next bit of shit that happens, she has like a blade, right?
1: Yeah, because the next girl, the girl, the other girl, the big frizzy haired girl. Good lord, oh, the girl, biggest hair. Yeah, she has some hair. She goes out and she she find Yeah, she's looking for Curtis, and she steps into like this little enclave, and she's immediately grabbing her throat is slit with. Um, with a knife. So the killer does have a knife at that moment. Uh, And then the other girl who was supposed to go back to the car, remember, she's like, I'm going back to the car. She's actually not back at the car because she is wandering through the alley now calling for, for, uh, for Curtis. And she does stumble across his dead body. And she takes off into the car or to the car, which is a convertible and has to be one of the stupidest horror movie victims of all time. Please tell me I'm, not right with how stupid this girl is. The one that runs and gets to the car? Yes, oh my God, this broad. I mean, the killer gets on top of the convertible and is stabbing through. and all she can do is scream. She doesn't never tries to kneel down. She never tries to like get away from get out of it. She knows this killer stabbing through the roof and she's still sitting upright screaming. like this would be a perfect moment to open the fucking car door and dash away. She does not um and it's another lame kill because we don't see it actually happen we see him stabbed through the through the roof or we see the killer stab through the roof and then all of a sudden the girl goes eh, and she falls over dead it's terrible this whole
0: sequence is giving me we are already done filming the movie and we are realizing that we desperately need an actual like kill sequence that's not just a bobby pin being slashed at the camera and thus they went back and they filmed this whole unnecessary bit that is again never mentioned or acknowledged and completely not related to her motivations as being the killer um aside from maybe wanting to defend her store i guess that could play into it because Rhonda's just a bitch um but even down to the weapons being different you know this is now a blade wielding killer with a machete. I mean, it's a big fucking blade. Like when she cuts that throat, it's a, it's a big knife. And so she, I do think she does have it when she attacks Curtis as well. So now it's starting to go against what's been a theme is, you know, Rhonda or the mass killer uh, going around and killing with the same utensil, the same pin. All of a sudden now you got this big old fucking knife. uh, And it really just feels Very shoehorned in. And it it feels like they they wrote it and threw it in separately. Because all of the gore gore is really lame. You know, you don't really get any good effects. Um, The best sequence is probably like the throat cut. Uh, you're like as a slash across the throat on Curtis and you get like a reveal on it. But like you're not getting anything elaborate. Like when the girl stabbed through the roof of the car, it's not like you get this amazing like skull penetration like you might get in, in you know, some of the other finer offerings from the 80s. You literally just get a shot on her where she's just laying there dead and bl- fake blood is running down her head and it just like hits the wheel and that's it. And it just looks very like lackluster. So it it was not necessary to put the sequence in there. I really don't think it does anything for the pacing or anything for the movie.
1: No, it actually slows the movie down and then I don't know. It's hard to tell if this movie I feel like 99.9% of the time this movie's taken itself way too seriously. Um, but then there are um, there are moments where like, I think that they are kind of playing it tongue in cheek, but they're, but it's really, it, it doesn't, the tone is so disjointed at times because like I said, I, a night, I think this film is playing it serious. Like I really do. I don't think they're, they're, they're trying to do tongue in cheek. I think it's, it's, they're trying to play this serious and it just, sometimes it, it feels really weird because like the next day at the, um, the workout facility, it's business as usual. Okay. you got, all these work out, you got people in the uh, aerobics room doing the aerobics, but then it keeps cutting to the, the paramedics loading the bodies up outside and putting them in a body bag. <laughs> so it's like, is this supposed to be funny because, or is it just because it, to me, it's just cementing how fucking stupid this is because there is no way this, and I know I'm not going to, I'm not going to get over it because when you're looking at stuff like this, you got to, there's no way this fucking place would still be open people are acknowledging it like the
0: body removal guy says to morgan see you, see you tomorrow lieutenant like i mean like people are aware of of what an issue it is that this place is still operating but they refuse to close uh, it's, it's, it's absurd on the level of, I recently saw Thanksgiving, I haven't told you this, Troy, but I recently saw Thanksgiving, and that whole setup for, like, that store being open for those fucking waffle irons, like, it, it made me think of, of, like, that, like, it is so far out that they would not shut this place down, or that people would just, like, come in droves like they're coming like every class is full like every class <laughs> like this is, it just doesn't make sense like people would be talking about this issue and
1: nobody seems to care yeah it's it's definitely problematic when trying to take this film seriously And like i said i i know uh, people will come at me and be like oh well troy it's not supposed to be taken seriously but i'm sorry i 100 believe that they 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 the filmmaker was taking this stuff seriously Oh, I agree. So it it's hard for me to so then it's hard for me to disconnect from that knowing this is supposed to be a serious effort. We're supposed to be looking at this as a serious film. But yeah, you are trying to tell me that the 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 main th- thing throughout the film is murders at this aerobics cl- clinic, but but nobody would ever shut it down, and nobody would want to shut it down, and people would still keep going. I don't know. That to me is the biggest issue I have with this film. But the same day after the bodies are being loaded up right outside, that hottie, the two hotties, uh, or the one hottie, the the, the dark haired one, his husband or partners in the shower. I don't know if these two are really lovers. I, I think they are the way they interact with each other. But the 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 more burly lumberjack one, the blonde with the beard, they're both good looking guys, but. This is the the younger twink looking one with the dark hair. He's lifting his weights on a weight machine. Somebody apparently I think messes with the weight pin so that the weight bench or the weight pulley snaps and so it breaks off and the the handle flies and hits him in the head and he falls back and it looks very painful. But like as he's trying to like recover, someone picks up a dumbbell and smashes him in the face with it. And then his The bearded one, the hot bearded one comes out. He's like, hey, I'm I'm leaving now. And Oh, my God, what happened to you? And he runs over to his friend and is immediately dispatched by getting the giant safety pin shoved into his forehead. I don't know how logical this is, but it's what happens.
0: How fucking ballsy is this killer to literally... (laughs) go into this active gym that's operating as bodies are being removed in the lot over go into this gym and kill these two men while like while it appears that the gym is again fully operating like here's the thing this the editing in this movie is so bad that i really can't tell when it's one continuous scene or when it's supposed to be transitioning to like a later period in the day. So, for all I know, maybe they're trying to sell to me that this is later that night that these men are there and get killed. I don't fucking think so. I really think that this place is fully operational and Rhonda, the killer, comes in and she fucking kills these two men right there. And then Morgan has the gall (laughs) to walk in there and just oversee these bodies and he... Doesn't bat an eye. He could he could immediately be calling for help. He could be I don't know running out and saying lock the doors. We're figuring out who this killer is. Like he could do something. He doesn't do anything. Nobody seems to care. Nobody cares that these
1: men were just killed, and they keep going. On. Like I mean, they're still working out. Like, no, but you gotta—you you failed to mention Chuck. Chuck is, you know, mopping, and he goes out. He finds the bodies. Well, no, Tony, we gotta because yes, let's let's we got guys. This is a full fucking gym. This place is packed to the brim. So Tony, of course. <laughs> Tony, of course, waltzes in and comes across the bodies. So he's like, "Oh my god!" At the same time, Chuck, who's acting as the janitor, comes out. He's like, "What'd you do?" And Chuck literally, Roger, beats the holy fuck out of this guy like <gasps> multiple times. Like this is he could he could have killed this he could have killed this guy like literally could have killed this and he has no clue that Tony's the one that did it. He just starts beating the shit out of it. But Troy,
0: Troy, I have worked with a lot of directors who have directed themselves in their own films. And like, again, everything this character does, like the sole purpose he's there, because it really feels like Chuck is just kind of like, forced into the story. And sometimes he just feels like he's meandering. But every once in a while, he has a massive fight scene. And this movie, too many fight scenes. It's got like three big fight scenes in the big final chase sequence as well. And it's just so unnecessary, but you can tell that that, that must be what his like strong suit is. Like he may not be able to direct a great film, but he sure knows how to do a roundhouse kick. And he does them and he does them about five times in this movie with this fucking gym guy. They fight so many multiple, multiple times. And then he comes in and he fucking, this poor, what, what is this one? Tony, Tony, he just fucking comes in and he kicks this guy's ass and it's such like a big dick move you know like you know that this director was like oh we're putting in another fight scene and they're like no rick we don't think you need it and he's like oh no oh i'm kicking this guy's ass like it feels so unnecessary
1: i mean he he, he knocks the guy out like and yeah you're right then the lieutenant morgan shows up does he once say okay this is it close everything down There's five. There's three bodies laying in the workout room. We got to no. While he's in there and they're loading the bags up, the very next room, the girls are still on the floor spreading their legs, doing aerobics. Come on, I mean, but he does. He at this point he's becoming suspicious of Chuck, though. He's like, "Oh, stuff certainly has gotten interesting since you've shown up. Uh, There's just something I find odd about you, and I'm going to find out what it is." I don't know about that because you came in investigate uh this murder properly where you're you're shutting down your fucking crime
0: scene. This movie does a really bad job of raising the stakes. You know I bring this up a lot in movies, but for what should be really high stakes, like I mean you got you already got like six people dead, at least. This should be a big deal and they could really be building some intense drama with this, but it's treated so like so lazy. So 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 lazy that like it just it makes it makes it hard for you to care what's happening from this point moving forward.
1: Well, I don't. I don't really care what happens from this point moving forward. I mean, it's <laughs> it's because now now is the point where it becomes really a pre, a police procedural and like a, an action movie almost. I would say yeah. I would say this is the point in the film where it really takes off as almost like an act, I feel like I'm watching an action movie. I feel like I'm watching a Chuck Norris movie, literally. Yeah. That's what yeah. it becomes. So, okay, so let me ask you this. What is the point of this Tony dream scene that he has with Jamie coming in and taking off her top to seduce him and like ride him and stuff? And then all of a sudden, Lisa, well, while she's seducing him, he has a vision of himself coming up behind her and cutting her throat? This whole dream sequence with Tony, who so far has done nothing in the film, but he gets a dream sequence, but then he wakes up and he's in handcuffs and Morgan's Morgan is like, you got to stay put. Don't do anything funny. I'm going to go out there and talk to whoever. Not Roger. Not 15 seconds after Morgan leaves the locker room, the killer comes in and kills Tony with a safety pin.
0: From where? From where he literally just turns his face, like, he turns it, like, ever so slightly, and he then reacts and is immediately killed. Like, I mean, I'm sorry, that safety pin wouldn't render a man dead so quickly that he would be screaming for help. I mean, that safety pin, she must have impeccable aim, because she dispatches these people so fucking fast. There's, nobody's fighting, nobody's screaming. No one ever notices when a kill's actually happening. And this, I think, was probably... There's a lot of grave offenses over the course of this movie, but this whole moment here with uh, with um, with I'm sorry with Tony, uh, this whole thing that's happening here is so so just awkward and unnecessary. This whole dream scene, it very much I mean, all it can come down to is them wanting an excuse to have more boobs. Like that really must have been that they wanted to show more boobs because there's no other explanation cuz she gets up on top of him her little boobies are there and then she you know she gets her throat cut by him but he's i mean he's not the killer he doesn't think that he's the killer it's briefly briefly suggested that the others think he might be the killer because they find him in the room with the bodies and he is he is unprofessionally beaten <laughs> by a, by a, <laughs> by a private detective who who doesn't even do his job and you know stop and inquire what the fuck is happening. He just immediately jumps to kick in this guy to the face and, and then then this guy has this dream scene, he wakes up, he literally is killed within seconds. and it is so again lazy. The setup for this, I don't even know where the killer is in the room. Were they in one of the lockers?
1: Where are they coming from? How does Morgan not see them? But Roger, here's the thing is like when Tony's body is being loaded into the body bag, because we do get a a shot with uh, Detective Morgan and uh, Chuck standing watching Tony now being loaded into the body bag. And this is when Morgan does say to Chuck, things really picked up since you got there. There's a whole workout scene happening at the same time. So in the workout room, (laughs) the girls are still doing their aerobics. (laughs) My question is like, I'm sorry, I, I can't get over this. I cannot get over blatant stupidity in a film. This is the moment that any normal detective, and I'm sorry, there would be more than one cop on the scene at this point, right? He is the only cop that is on, that is doing, there would be, this place would be flooded with cops, right? This is the point where a cop would be like, we know the killer's in here because I just left Tony 20 seconds ago. Lock, shut all the entry doors. Nobody's leaving here. We're going to search everybody. Guess what? Whoever has a giant fucking safety pin on him is probably the killer, but they don't even do that. They don't even, they let business as usual to the, to the point where he goes in and he talks to Rhonda and she's all excited because she was going to call her senior partner to beg that she allow, or that the senior partner allow her to keep the place open, but he already wants it to keep, to stay open. And she says, well, I this that's great, but I'm just pissed because you're not doing anything about the murders. What are you doing? What are you doing? I I lost half, half my customers are dead. Half of them are dropping off their memberships or, or canceling their memberships. It certainly doesn't look that way because the place is fucking packed nonstop. So it doesn't look like anybody's canceling their goddamn memberships. I mean... The, the fact that she wants
0: to keep this place operating well obviously she wants to keep it operating because she wants to kill people like that is that is why she's fighting to keep the place operating cuz i i mean i can't imagine any other motivation other than bloodlust at this point like how awful of a person do you need to be to require that people come to work at this place where where, where literally three people were killed on premises during work hours <laughs> and you have to keep working. You have to keep working. And they won't stop. The women will not <laughs> stop. It's mind-boggling. Oh, my God.
1: Yeah, I don't know. And, like, even the, even the workers, like, if I was Rhonda, my ass would be out of there. I'd be like, sorry, no. Yeah, I mean... It, it, She's just berating him. She's she's She makes little jo- uh, comments about how stupid he is because, oh, she has this really gnarly looking letter opener. And he's like, that looks really sharp. And she's like, well, I guess it has nothing in common with you, does it? And she's just being a fucking bitch. And she says, well, what are you doing here? Do you even have any suspects? And he's like, yeah, I do, actually. I just have to find out the motive. And she's like, well, fine. I guess I'll see you here tomorrow. And he says, yes, you will, because I'm almost running out of body bags. Then shut the place down. Come on.
0: <laughs> the The tension between the two of them two is so, like, big and over the top and, and just, like, just bitchy. Like, you don't really like him either. You know, Rhonda, we've already talked about where, like, where a fucking pill she is, but Morgan, like... Not only is he absolutely inept and and just completely incapable of performing his tasks as a detective, which she does call out here in the scene. I mean, she tells him, she's like, you're awful at your fucking job. Yeah, he is. Like, the fact this man had three people die under his watch, like, I'm sorry, but he would be getting his ass removed from that that location uh, uh, that is his that is complete just failure of of ability to c- perform one's general tasks of their job people are being killed while he's there in the building i mean and he doesn't seem to fucking care
1: no he doesn't care and he you know i think he like he has no concept of just logical thinking things through. Like I said, any other detective, any other police force would have shut that place down, not let anybody out until everyone was searched to see who has a giant safety pin, who has blood on them. You know, I mean, that would be, <laughs> right. I mean, that would be a, a question to ask because these people were brutally murdered. <laughs>
0: like, get someone in here to inspect these people immediately after the murders. <laughs>
1: There's a moment where Rhonda then is, you know, after the, everybody's gone, she's cleaning up and she runs into Jimmy. Again, this Jimmy's just lurking around in the dark, tells her, "I can help you." And she says, "No." So he goes, "I thought this was close. Like this is the midnight." The- he goes into the workout room and he starts like a, aggressively doing bench presses. He's going to blow out a rotator cuff. Like this man like holy shit, I've never seen
0: anyone bench press like this. He's going to tout on this thing. And, and I mean, I think they're, again, trying to really show here just how fucking cuckoo bananas this guy is. And this is probably, like, one of the closest moments they come to actually developing that because he's so stoic and, like, just wooden his whole performance is so wooden but at least this moment he's really fucking bench pressing and he's sweating and you see the rage in his face veins in his forehead popping and at least it looks fucking intense you know
1: it does it does he he's definitely um worked up well he should be because little does he know that chuck is now at his house and basically breaks in because remember debbie gave chuck jimmy's address right so chuck is now at, at jimmy's place he breaks in and and what he discovers is he finds tons of guns, ammunition, like army knives, and then tons of pictures on his wall and in his drawer of Rhonda in various poses. We already knew he was obsessed with Rhonda. This just adds, a, a, you know, fuel to that fire. That he is definitely his obsession is a little scary. Um, and I think this clues Chuck off that he better go check on Rhonda so he I guess goes to her house and this is again we're editing is really clumsy because I was having a hard time so they' so Chuck gets to Rhonda's house she's swimming in her pool right but Jimmy is there at the same time so now Jimmy left he, Jimmy left the gym and now he's watching Rhonda as well swim I, is this correct yes this whole whole sequence from the bench pressing on
0: it's very hard to to decipher what is really happening like i had to watch through it a second time to understand what you're saying with the whole thing of chuck like going to to jimmy's house and breaking in and i literally i thought that maybe like that was actually Rhonda's house because he's immediately at the pool like this film does not know how to transition from moment to moment so you're you're struggling to really decipher what's happening, um, and and so yeah, it, it's it's I think what's happening is that that Chuck shows up there maybe because when he sees that Jimmy is like obviously stalking Rhonda, maybe Jimmy wants to check on this himself because he thinks this might be what the cause of the murders is. Is that it is J- it is Jimmy doing this, and it's all because of his obsession with Rhonda, and so that's what brings Chuck to her house to spy because he is a detective. Um, but I'm really like, I'm grasping for straws here. Like I, I don't know. I'm, I really don't know what exactly is happening.
1: Yeah. No, this whole sequence is really poorly edited and it, it, yeah. And it's dark cause it's an exterior night shot as well. So it's really hard. But ultimately I think what happens is they both end up at Rhonda's and somehow they run into each other, even though like, did you catch this? Like at one moment, Jimmy's on the completely other, other side of the pool and, and chuck is on the other side of the pool right but then all of a sudden they're together they're face to face like how the fuck did that happen yeah it's a really sloppy 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 edit and some of
0: these more like intense action sequences um are are unfortunately like where this film struggles the most because when it is trying to pick up the pace and make things exciting because there's a lot of talking in this movie when it does try to you know inject some some energy into this film. Um, it's it's unfortunately the sloppiest of editing, where the cuts feel uh, like they make, they make the least sense, and you lose a lot of things. There's so many kills coming up here where I don't even know what the fuck is happening or how it happened or how it got to it. It, films like they, it feels like they're rushing through filming the second half of the movie and honestly just didn't get enough footage for a lot of these scenes. And this whole moment around the pool definitely feels like one of those scenes that just is suffering from that
1: well to go back to something you said it's it's a problem throughout the whole film to, to there there is no establishing shots in this film and there's no transitional shots and that's a problem because then it does create the idea that we as the viewer don't know if time has passed how much time has passed like what's going on and I think that would have worked in the film's benefit because there's sometimes where it literally seems like things are happening right after each other. And I don't know if that was the intention or not. You know what I mean? So some transitional shots, some establishing shots would have helped determine time because I, I don't know how many days this film is taking place over. I don't know how, you know, how quickly these scenes are happening behind each other. It's just, there's no, there's no sense of time either. Um, But then there's this, yeah, there's just like this giant jump where all of a sudden Jimmy's on the other side of the pool. He runs into Chuck and we literally, Roger, and I don't, I mean, this is again, probably a five minute showcase of Ted Pryor's kung fu and uh, stunt skills because it becomes a five minute fight with him, with them throwing every stunt, kick, roundhouses that they can at each other for five minutes. It culminates with fucking Chuck burying a rake an entire rake, we're talking a heavy spiked rake into Jimmy's leg. I mean, and it shows it. Like this thing is buried hilt deep into his leg, all the spikes. This becomes problematic because subsequent scenes after this, he acts like nothing is wrong. I'm sorry. If I got a, a rake buried in my leg, I would be probably immobile. I think any human would. Does he even no, scream? No, he does not. Toy? He doesn't scream. He pulls it out and then he just like st- stares at Chuck and then like roundhouse kicks him into the pool.
0: Jimmy really is like a Hulk like villain where he has little to no emotion and his reaction to anything. And and yes, with this moment where he gets that fucking thing buried into his thigh, like it is like a
1: superhuman response.
0: Like he's un- unfazed by it.
1: Totally unfazed. And then like through the rest of the movie, you wouldn't even know this guy had Five prongs, three inch prongs of, of a rake buried into his leg because he's running, he's chasing cops. I mean, it's again, I think it's like uh, so many things. There was no like consistency in how they set things up. So, like by the end of the movie, they're like, oh, we, we, don't, we totally even forgot that we had a rake scene. So, Jimmy can still run. He can sprint. He can drive. I'm sorry. Any normal person, I don't care who you are. If you had that sort of injury into your upper, we're talking your upper thigh. I mean, aren't, aren't there like arteries and shit? You would be hospitalized. I'm sorry. Uh, I don't know. Um, but Jimmy, or there, I'm sorry. After Jimmy roundhouse Chuck into the pool, Chuck Chuck wakes up in inside of uh, Ronda's home. He's on the couch. Uh, with Detective Morgan there. And they're, of course, questioning him. And he says, You guys, you got to get, you got to, you got to go after Jimmy. He's going to get away. And he explains to him what he found in Jimmy's apartment and all that stuff. It's just revealed then to Rhonda that Jimmy is obsessed with her. And, and then it cuts to the spa where Kathy, we remember Kathy, she's getting the fuck out. Kathy. We got to give Kathy credit, Roger. She is the smartest broad in the entire about movie. About fucking time, Kathy. Fine, I know. Finally, twelve bodies later, she's like, "I've had enough." <laughs> That's all it took. <laughs> That's all it took, Kathy. <laughs> Kathy, whom, by the way, the last time we saw
0: Kathy, our girl Kathy, she was the one that was talking to Rachel at the beginning of the movie uh, about coming over to her place. We haven't seen we haven't seen a lick of Kathy until we get to this scene which is now kind of entering the final stretch of the movie. Thank God. And, and yeah, you know, we forgot this woman was even there. You know, I, I forgot that Kathy was a thing, but now Kathy's fucking pissed. She's getting out of there and she's got to go. She's got to go say goodbye to Jamie who apparently she has a relationship with. I wouldn't know it. They never showed it for the rest of the film.
1: <laughs> yeah. She wants to go say goodbye to Jamie. So she goes through the, uh, goes into the locker room and like, it's, it's dark. Uh, you know, this is a suspense. This could have been a suspenseful scene, but there's no buildup. She just like Jamie, Jamie, and she hears something. She literally goes open and opens the utility closet door. And fucking Roger, lo and behold, Jamie's fucking dead body comes swinging out on a rope. Who would have guessed?
0: The last bit of the film, Troy, Jamie went from, again, like we have been saying, f- approached as though she was a focal character to now being an afterthought like everything leading up to this whole bit of her being killed is so poorly handled you would think that she was just some random girl less important than any of these other fucking girls just like kathy who've been coming and going the first chunk of the movie i really fucking thought jamie was going to be the lead And then you, what, you come into this moment. She, you see Jamie, like walk in, she turns around. She's all nervous. The lights go off. And the next thing you see, she's hanging in a closet. You don't get anything. You don't get a chase. You don't get a moment of her reacting. You don't see how she's, uh, you know, chased down and, and actually killed before she's hung up in the fucking closet.
1: She's just bobbling there. (laughs) And it feels like disrespectful to the character. Like what the fuck? They don't give a shit about any of the characters, I don't think. I think I think Ted Pryor cared, cared about showing his glistening uh, muscles and his his, uh, his stunt skills and his kung fu skills. That's all he cared about with this film because none of the characters are given really any, any justice at all, honestly. But yeah, this Jamie thing definitely took me aback when I first saw this film. I'm like, wait, what the fuck? You literally kill her off by having this poor Kathy find her in the closet? And then worst of all, like it cuts away to a cop <laughs> keep in mind there's supposed to have been a cop stationed at this place <laughs> the entire time but <laughs> obviously he's not doing a very good job uh but he walks into the room and he finds jamie not only does he find jamie hanging in the closet we look down on the floor and fucking kathy's there are dead too we didn't even see kathy <sighs> <sighs> Kathy, literally,
0: the last thing you see is she. She finds the body. She's like, "Oh my god!" And she she backs into the shadows, and you don't even see like the killer approach or nothing. And then this killer is fucking swift as a ghost. I'm telling you, <laughs> because because next shot is the like the feet of the detective walking into frame, and you see Kathy's dead body just on the ground. And you didn't again. You didn't even see her approached, attacked, struggle none of it, none of the things that you want. And it's not like you can't tell me that they, you know, obviously they knew this is what people wanted out of the film. They wouldn't have film sequences like those three random kids getting killed earlier if they didn't know that we wanted to see people die. But this is not how you fucking do it. Like it, it's just, it's such a waste. Jamie's character this whole time. If anyone's had any development within the gym with Rhonda in the sense of the girls, it's been Jamie because at least you've seen Rhonda like negatively react towards her her outward sexuality, her sexual confidence, the amount of skin she shows. Basically, you know, like that's you could have done something with that. You could have built up to this big final moment with Jamie where it could have been like some kind of big reveal or just just big something. It could have been a thing,
1: and they chose to make it the most disposable moment in the film. I would have loved to have seen Jamie at least have a chase scene through this, through this workout facility. I mean, obviously they, they had this workout facility at their disposal for some time because they filmed the film in it. But like, there's a lot of like really cool, like nooks and crannies in this place. It's never like the scope of it is never like too big. Um, They, they, we get the impression that I think they, they, they try to make it look bigger than what actually the facility is, but we do get to see like there's there's little rooms, there's little nooks and crannies, there's closets, there's uh there's locker rooms. Like why couldn't you have given at least Jamie a a, a chase scene? You know, but no, she disappears and then she's found hanging in the fucking closet. <sighs> Yeah,
0: it's disappointing, man. If there's one character that I was hoping to see have a bit of an arc, it was Jamie, because she was kind of being mistreated earlier, but she was responding
1: honestly, not sweetly to it. You know, she was never mean. She was never hostile. She even offered to take Rhonda out for to dinner. You know, after Rhonda scolded her for being late, she's like, "Oh, we're going out to dinner." It never happened because that girl was stabbed in the shower. But yeah, I mean, it, uh, it, it's such a such a mishandled moment in the film the next day I guess Chuck Morgan catches Chuck trying to get into this into the workout facility and apparently Chuck is gonna leave town because Morgan did tell him you know what you got it you got to get out of here what you did you know let, you know what you did with the pool and the fight and everything you just need to go so Chuck's going in to get his things Morgan lets him ultimately lets him into the facility and just lets him go in which to me would be a something you, not a great idea when all these murders have been happening. Uh, But then Morgan does get a radio call that a report came back on Rhonda Johnson and he better get to the uh, station so he can hear this. Keep in mind, guys, the, the lead workout instructor, the lead aerobic instructor was just found the night before hanging in a fucking closet. One of her students was dead on the floor. This place is booming with a fucking aerobics <laughs> the next day because they are playing. I mean, these broads are shaking their asses. They're in their. They're doing and they're playing the song "Aerobicside." Oh uh, well, to me, bad taste I, because <laughs> that's not the song you. That's not the song you play to these girls. <laughs> They're they're working out to a who who thought this was a good idea? <laughs> oh my god!
0: Oh, what the fuck? I, I who's teaching it? No, but I think they <coughs> who's I think left just to in
1: teach there. the they're, class? Hey, we're gonna do it ourselves. It's just
0: <laughs> They're just showing up They're like we we, refu- we absolutely refuse To let anything Prevent us from attending this class I mean more power To them and if there's some of them Make it through it <laughs> I mean, There's a few of those girls who they keep Coming to class <laughs> who, keep, who keep coming to class And they never you know they, they Make it through the whole experience without A bruise so good for them <laughs> Debbie Debbie. we I'm assuming Debbie's. Uh, Thank God. At, le- at least we got one of them. Because for the most part, any character that receives any focus does die. But there are a bunch of women who are just...
1: Who are wow, just there's, that sh- there's that short blonde oh, hair. Oh, yeah. We, we see her a lot. She looks we good. See her a lot. She's
0: confident. We get a lot of shots of... We just get a lot of shots of people like just... Feeling themselves, smiling. Uh, the only girl of color is the first one that goes. That Rachel. Everyone else' skin is white as slow. Um, but it's it. It is just. It is, it is the, the the standout aspect at this point. This movie is so bad, but these women.
1: Just refuse to stop. <laughs> they, they, it's LA. They gotta have their tight bodies. <laughs> I guess. God, go! But you can't tell me that. But Roger, there's not another gym in the neighborhood. This is the only your only choice. Oh
0: my God! Like, I just—they must be, be literally bringing people in off the streets to teach these classes too. Because I mean, like I just—I don't understand. But I mean, I guess it's really—it must be like expensive living in LA so I'm sure these people are taking these jobs here out of desperation but the people that work out there I think it's almost cruel that they keep going back there and demanding
1: that they, <laughs> these classes keep going that's sick oh, and, they're ta- <laughs> and they're taunting him now by playing a Robeson <laughs> that's <laughs> they're like, they're like, sick that's sick these is. women are, they are they're <laughs> celebrating it they're
0: <laughs> well, oh man Okay, so
1: <laughs> after this, we we do see Chuck. He gets a suit, his his little backpack, and he's walking down the street. And Jimmy sees him. How is he driving when he had a, his leg? <sighs> okay, but he okay. Jimmy sees Chuck walking down the street. Literally runs him down with his car, <laughs> mows him down in the middle of the street. Gets out and. Apparently stabs Jimmy to death in broad daylight with an ice pick. <laughs> Chuck or I'm sorry, Chuck. Chuck is stabbed to death by Jimmy in broad daylight with a nice pick. Chuck up to this point really
0: has has seemed like he's gonna be an important element of, of of what's going to happen. And I guess I mean when you look at what's happening here, it is pretty pivotal because you are realizing now that Jimmy is has killed somebody. So this is this should be kind of like a shocking twist but like everything about this film is so unceremonious and like it's just so again lazy it's so blase that like it just doesn't feel like it's that big of a deal like Chuck's dead is it ever brought up I don't think anyone ever acknowledges it does anyone acknowledge it that Chuck dies well the
1: de- de- detective Morgan does get a call radio call saying that Chuck was murdered by Jimmy. Here in a minute, because he goes he goes to arrest Rhonda. Yeah, so there's a scene after after Jimmy stabs Chuck. It cuts to this burned head putting on a wig, and it turns out to be Rhonda. And at the same time, Morgan shows up to her house, and he's like, "Good afternoon, Valerie," and he basically confronts her that she is the common denominator in all of the murders, and the, he found out. That she was burned to a crisp in this tanning bed. and now he thinks that she is murdering all the members of the spa because she's jealous of their beautiful body. and she he's like, I mean, he's <laughs> it's not, but he's called he calls her a freak. He's like, nobody wants to sleep with you. you freak. Oh, he's mean, dude.
0: He's like you're a freak. You have f- 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 burns all over your body. It's sickening. Like he, <laughs> <this> poor woman. <laughs> like I mean, she did go through a horrible trauma. I mean, and, and she, I really think you know he's just been an, a horrible police officer this whole time.
1: But this is just cruel of him. The things he's saying to her. Well, to the point where she opens her her blouse and shows her boob burned boobs. Oh my god, they're
0: disgusting! <laughs> like, I know. Like, listen, I it's 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 just how they did it. It's I can do a I can do a full body burn, but this does not look natural. This looks very very odd, um, skin grafty. <laughs> I love the fact she's like, "Is this
1: what you want to see?" And he's like, "That's unnecessary."
0: <laughs> oh my god! But he's so mean
1: to her. You freak! Cruel. You're a burned freak. No man would want to sleep with you. <laughs> but he, he does arrest her. He, he literally arrests her. He, he puts her in the car and he's, he puts, this is when he puts her in the back of the car. This is when he gets the radio call that Chuck, Chuck Dawson has been murdered by yeah. Jimmy. And so this is when Rhonda, you know, her cocky ass, she like puts her hands in the front seat with the handcuffs and starts shaking. I'm like, here, unlock me now. I told you I wasn't the killer.
0: I mean, this timing couldn't have worked out better. You are, and you're right, the, the, he, this does come over, but it's just, it's such a, none of the characters have meaningful relationships in this film. Like, none of the characters care about each other. There's no, like, romantic subplots. Like, the ones that are touched on are more of, like, men, like, groping women and making them uncomfortable than having sex with them. Again, this film is very much written by, like, a straight man with a lot of mochismo. So, it's... It, you know, having a major death like Chuck's should have felt important. And there should have been just a moment, a reaction, an acknowledgement, something that, that came over somebody. But, you know, he's dead and we're moving on. And, and it's just, it's not a thing. It's not addressed. It's not talked about. Um, and and he, for him being such a major playing factor for a portion of this movie, it just feels so unceremonious.
1: Yeah, I feel like he had to bow out of the film because he has this huge chase scene through the cement factory to direct the hell out of here. He's like, I can't be in the move anymore. I have my directing duties. We're going to make this hell of a chase scene through this abandoned cement company. And I got to be I got to be fully focused on that. So just kill me off. Kill me off. Um, because, yes, Morgan easily. Roger easily is able to drive right down the street and find Jimmy. Like you would think Jimmy would get the fuck out of there. Or at least hide. He wouldn't be stand- He wouldn't be walking down the street. He fi- Morgan find and Roger. This fucking chase scene goes on and on and on, and it's through a it's through a cement like factory thing. So they're chasing up through each other through rafters downstairs. Uh, it goes on. How is Jimmy running at full speed when hours before he had a rake embedded in his fucking thigh? Please explain
0: this to me. This film is so many genres, as we said at the beginning of this film, and it does make the the bold choice to end on a on a very bloated cop chase sequence, and it is really just a matter of like knowing your genre, which this film clearly did not. That this big moment that has just happened a few moments ago, uh, in which Rhonda is revealed to be this burn victim the decision that they made at that point to show like the back of her head where you can see the fucking cap like popping out, you know, it's, it's really a a pretty awful effect, but they, they, they choose to reveal this moment just so like matter of fact, it's just like a very standard shot. She walks into frame, her burned back of her head is revealed. She puts on her wig and then there's that whole moment that proceeds with Morgan. Um, If this was truly like a horror movie, like that would have been treated with some sense of care and artistry as a major reveal, as a major plot point. But they choose to just skirt past that topic and and really not give it any second notice. It's just so like, again, matter of fact. And then they instead choose to veer into this massive chase scene. That like is honestly fine for like what it is. Like it's I mean, okay, the guy must love shooting chase scenes because he spends a lot of time doing it and it gives it a lot of attention. But I just I'm not here for a chase scene. Like I'm not here for that. That's not what I wanted out of this movie. And this movie, again, like at one point knew what it was delivering, it had to have a slasher in mind to a certain extent. So why, like the the hard left pivot into this such a heavy police procedural approach because it it really just sinks the film. It really just is the last thing I wanted,
1: and you're correct. It's a horrible way to end the film. Like this is the end of the film, basically. I mean, we get a few tacked odd things, but this is the end of the film, and it's a long chasing. There's even a point where like there's gunfire exchanged. Um, and finally, finally, Morgan gets a hold of Jimmy and pulls the gun on him. He's like, why'd you kill Chuck? You know, Rhonda did all the killing, don't you? And you're just trying to take the blame for it. And of course, Jimmy is able to wrestle, uh, free and knock Morgan out, like kick him down, knock him out. He doesn't kill him, but he does knock him out and get away.
0: But a really bold choice to just knock the guy out, and 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 Morgan is just throwing his hands around like he's not remaining calm or cool or collected. All the things you would expect from a, uh, you know, a, a detective. He's just losing his shit on this guy, and then this guy's able to just with one hit knock him to the ground and take off. And um, I mean, come on, like this guy has already killed multiple people. Why would he not just I don't know curb stomp the dude right there? whatever it needs to be and take off. Like the fact that he just leaves him, it it just seems again, so not
1: in line with what the character I think would do. Uh, Yeah. He lets him live, but he does go. I I mean, there's so much shit here that doesn't make much sense, but he, (sighs) so after he, he lets Morgan go, we cut back to the spa and Rhonda is now like, it's fully revealed that she is a burn. Like her wig is off. She's completely, Bird. she's going to take a shower she gets into the shower Jimmy sneaks in while she's getting out of the shower and getting dressed he goes into the locker room and he turns on the light to reveal her burned body and she immediately pulls a gun on him and, and, and shoots him it is such a startling visual when she turns around
0: and with those burned melted like just like goopy <laughs> looking tits without nipples on them, and she just fires at him, and it's so like a uh, huh. like it just it takes you it takes you back a little bit. And it is like, I guess if you're gonna give this movie anything in a sense of memorable visuals, I would say that like this whole visual of her just standing there naked. With the burns, again, they're trying to... I really think they're trying to give us the same kind of thing that Sleepaway Camp did. You know, Sleepaway Camp, it was revealed that you got a full frontal genital shot. You know, it's shocking. This, you've got this nude woman, at least topless, but all of her skin is burned. It's melted. It's shocking. And she's angry. Similar parallels, again, in my mind. Um, But this just... I mean, it, it just doesn't come close, you know? And again, I think this is really a a waste of a reveal of her, you know, actual full form um, because it could have been so much more of a big thing. Um, But this is the closest we get to kind of, I would say like a badass moment with her. It's her with the gun, topless, shooting at him, killing him, cold. She's mean, she's calculated. She knows what she's doing. I wish I got more of this from her at the end of the film.
1: Yeah, well, she even, she's like... As he's laying there after she shoots him, she goes to him and she's like, well, why did you kill Dawson? He's like, because I love you and I couldn't let them catch you. And then she like shoots him dead. Like this is, this is the villain. I mean, but she's had this like kind of mean villainous streak throughout the whole film. So this isn't really the surprise that I think the filmmakers thought it was, you know, I mean, this is kind of her, her, this isn't like a drastic turn from her character, but she kills, she kills, um, Jimmy. And I guess it's, it's, it's assumed then that she is like a hero that she, she, she killed the the guy that's been killing all of her customers because we cut to what, we don't know how many days later this is or how long this is, how much time has passed, but we cut with her uh, in a car with Morgan. And, you know, he's talking about how everyone thinks she's a hero and he like drives her out to this wood, to these woods, and tells her to get out of the car, and he grabs a shovel. And this is all very like you, you, I. I if I was sorry. I'd be like, I know exactly what you are doing. Like this is he's not trying to be like height. He's had like why are you leading the girl into the woods with a shovel? Like that's <laughs> it's pretty apparent what your intention are is right. Troy, how did he even get her in the fucking car?
0: Like it's not like they left on a positive note. Like the literally the last thing, the conclusion that we're left with is that. She obviously has manipulated the whole situation so that it looks like Jimmy has been so obsessed with her that he's killed multiple people. All of these murders happening at the gym have been him. And then at the end of it, he kills, obviously, Chuck, and then comes to kill her, but she shoots him. She looks like the hero. Even if Morgan thinks he has in mind what actually happened, You know, to be the truth, like he believes. Okay, I suspect you. I suspect Rhonda of being the killer. He's got to go through like the standard judicial system to prove that, and for him to think that this is a solution while he is right is completely unreasonable and irrational. Um, But if if I was her, I would not trust him to even agree to go with him to the middle of nowhere, shovel or not there's no way that the man that who had originally pointed out that he suspected me as being the killer i am actually the killer things fell in my favor thank goodness
1: why would i even be in the car with him to begin with i i don't understand how he got because as for as much disdain as she has for him i don't think she would have just gotten in the car with him either but like it's just, yeah basically he's got it's, it's this whole like to me it's it's like this whole dexter moment right He is—he's turning into Dexter, where he's going to kill her because he knows that she is really the killer, and um, it's the only way that that she's going to be stopped. Right? Like he even tells her this whole story about it's his dad did this. Like this is something my dad did. This he this criminal got away, and my dad a couple weeks later the guy was murdered, and I know my dad did it, but it was never talked about. So he's going to kill her. Okay, so. He has the shovel. He takes out a gun. But then he, like, literally, Roger, after he gives this little speech, he turns his back to her, where she immediately picks up the shovel and bashes him in the head with it and, uh, assuming, kills him, right?
0: He's th- the worst cop ever to the very fucking end because he chooses to give this big, bloated speech, I'm convinced that he said, I felt like I didn't get enough drama in the movie. So I demand you add on this extra moment here so I can have this speech because they sure give him, they give him a whole lot of plot development, character development in these final few minutes that I could have maybe used, I don't know, 45 minutes ago in the movie. But now he's talking about his father who had owned this land and his father was a cop who was shot four times. And so he lives with that vengeance and his father taught him all of these lessons and blah, 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 blah. Like, I don't give a fuck. You're, you were like a very, like just relatively unlikable character the whole course of the movie. And now, and like the, in the, the final, the final, like closing moment of the film, you try to force all of this exposition down my throat. It just seems really, really overdone. And so he's rambling, he's rambling, he's rambling. And, she just fucking grabs the shovel and fucking not, hits him upside the head. He drops, and that's it. Again, unceremonious. He totally brought it on himself. He's too busy giving that fucking soliloquy, about that you know, just talking to her for like forty minutes, and she just grabs the shovel easily and knocks him out. Like it seems so, again, blasé. And he's like pretty much like the major playing. I guess, hero of the film. Like, I guess his character really didn't do anything good. He let a ton of people die under his watch. But for him to just go out so like, bam, you're done, and we're on to the next scene, it felt so just, I don't know, like, nobody in this movie feels like their lives have any importance. <laughs> like, like they, like they make any impact on the story at all. And it just feels like such a just
1: lame way to take out the main character. Yeah. I mean, because he, he is a very prominent character and like, you're right. He, he, he kind of emerges as the protagonist of the film. And then for him to, you know, be so suspicious of this woman and like have all these suspicions. And and to the point where he, he's going to murder her because he knows how conniving she is and that she's just going to continue to kill. And then for her to, for him to literally turn his back on her while he just stuck a shovel in the ground for her to grab, it not only makes the character, pointless like bad character writing but it just again makes just reiterates how fucking stupid he is like i i I don't know it goes to i think it just goes to poor screenwriters it's just poor screenwriting there was no there was no character proper characterization with any of these characters uh like you said many of the characters that we think are important are just treated as secondary fodder by the end of the film i mean i can't say that i'm like Sad that this particular character died, but I just feel like, yeah, it just doesn't fit with I just don't believe he would make that big of a mistake. You know what I mean? To turn his back on her. Uh but then the film ends. I mean, she gets back to the spa where I mean the the as she's walking through, um, all of her clients are calling her a hero and they're clapping for her. They're just thrilled. Why? Because she killed a guy. I don't know. She goes into the office where she has a new assistant now who is all excited about this two-for-one ad that she's she has ready to go where like you buy one membership, you get one free. She says, by the midweek, this place is going to be filled with gorgeous bodies. I'm going to go take this to the paper now if you approve. And Rhonda's like, yeah, I'm counting on it. And as the girl leaves, Rhonda takes out the giant safety pin and then proceeds to laugh maniacally into the camera.
0: We are talking like a breaking the fourth wall, being very, very aware of the camera, intentionally looking into it, and just, like, just maniacally, like, fondling this pin. I don't even know if it's the bobby pin. I honestly think she reaches it. It looks like she grabs her, like, because you see her a few points in the movie using an envelope, like, opener. Like, she's, like, cutting open the envelope, so I don't even know if she's holding the bobby pin. I can't even tell. Um, But it's real weird. And it is the last shot of the film before the end comes onto the screen. And again, for a film that I agree, Troy, I think this film really was taking itself quite seriously all throughout the production and through the editing process. And for them to end it on this note with her, knowing that I think that they actually believe that they were shooting that specific shot Seriously, and with the intention to be like a good final moment. I, oh my God. I, it just, I think it kind of proves just how inept they are overall and in, in, in how to execute a truly dynamic scene because it just is awkward. It's so awkward. It's comedically awkward. She's like just smoldering, looking into the camera, just fucking, just. Eating it, eating it up. She's loving this moment, and it feels so, just kind of almost cringy. It, it, it did not work for me at all.
1: Me neither. I had to shut it off. Like I shut it off in the like because it goes on for like she's staring at into the camera for for at least 30 seconds. And I just cuz it gets to be like you said it's over the top, it's cheesy. There's no there's not one moment in the film that's played like to to justify having broken this like you said the fourth wall. There's nothing else in the film that that does that or even it, it gets close to to hitting on that. So for them to end the film with that like why? We know she's the killer. Like we've it's very clear that she's the killer now. Like why make this actress do this ridiculous laugh into the camera uh, when all she had to do was take out the safety pin and hold it in her hand. And we see that she has it. That would have been it. And at this point, like I said, we know she's the killer. So it just, it's ridiculous. Terrible way to end the film. Like like I said, the film is not good, but like the last 20 minutes of this film, just really fucking sink it.
0: Yeah. It really just um, completely gets off course and it never, really regains its footing, not like it ever had great footing to begin with, aside from those great dance numbers, uh, or the, you know, the aerobics numbers, those are very, very well-footed. But overall, it just, it it gets so lost, and it is meandering, and it's just rambling, and it it just never really delivers on a final moment that makes you feel like it gave you a sense of true closure. Like, it, it. It doesn't feel like it builds to a true climax. Like everything feels just very kind of awkward and lackluster. And then it just kind of sputters out. And by the time you get to this moment with Rhonda, like it just feels kind of like it's a parody of itself. It feels like at certain points towards the end, it's almost mocking itself. Like they became self-aware through the process. And by that point, it was just too late. I don't know, but it just it really misses the mark, man.
1: I agree. You know, what makes some of the films of the eighties so memorable is the characters. Like you mentioned, like Sleepaway camp, you have Angela, you have Judy, you have very memorable characters, even like from Friday, the 13th films, there's a lot of characters that we can name by names because they made an impression on us. Like this film gives us none of that. There's no, there's no memorable characters. There's no suspense. There's no victim versus killer chasings. Yes. There's a lot of chasings, but they're caught procedural chasings it's just that falls flat for me. This film, you know, it starts out interestingly enough with the, with the tanning bed and then the opening kill in the shower. And, but, but, but it just falls apart. It it meanders away from what it's original intent should have been, which is to be a slasher film. And it just goes in all these different places. And the, the, these, the slasher elements then ultimately feel like they are just shoehorned in. Um, And, to me, it's just not an enjoyable film. I, I, I don't know. There's just something that just doesn't sit right with me when it comes to this film. Yeah,
0: yeah. It, it it has the potential to be like so campy and so fun. It really like you think it it would be more fun, and there are moments when it is. But when it starts taking itself so seriously at the end, this especially. It, it just, it loses some of the charm and it becomes almost painful to watch some of these moments. So there are moments though, there are moments in the film that are really fun, over the top. Like, I mean, I was laughing my fucking ass off about those fucking women. I can't get over those gals dancing, but you know, um, overall, it just, you know, for, if you're looking to watch a, a memorable classic that delivers as a slasher, I mean, this is not it. This is not it.
1: Not at all. I mean, it's a it's a step up from Sledgehammer, but not by much. Production value tremendously, but story wise, character wise, not much. And it's a shame. I feel like you know the uh, Death Spa, which came out a couple years later, is is not good, but it's, it's better than this. Um, at least it gives us kind of a coherent story and, and some good gore, very good gore actually. Um, and, and really knows what it is. It's a slasher film and it's playing it that way. This one, uh, wow, rough, rough, but, um, guys, let us know your thoughts on a killer workout, AKA a fucking. Some of those songs though are pretty memorable, right? Only you tonight. One of the best part. Um, but I think we're returning next episode with a a title that I think we can go back to be having some fun with, but not in a, but in a a way that the film deserves to be talked about in a fun manner. This one, not so much, but our, our, our pick for next week, Roger.
0: Oh, it is a fun one, Troy. It is, it is a movie that I think uh, a lot of our listeners really enjoy. Um, I've I've heard it expressed quite often, and I I really love this title. I'm excited to discuss it. It does not take itself too seriously. It is the 2006 body horror, honestly, I'd say horror comedy, uh, Slither, um, which I am honestly a huge fan of. James Gunn uh, in his directorial debut. Um, So it really, I think, shows a solid knack for horror and the utilization of comedy within horror without going too over the top. So, Troy, I'm very excited to hear what you think of it. I have no idea. Um, I can't even remember. Have you seen this title? Remind me. Uh, I have seen it. Yeah, I've seen Slither. Okay, Okay, cool, cool, cool. My bad. Um, Because, yeah, I I, I really, really like this title. I'll be open about that right now. So if you're a fan of Slither and you like hearing us talk about movies that we really, really enjoy, you're going to want to tune in for this one.
1: Well, you don't know my thoughts on it yet, so I could hate it. So stay tuned next week to hear, because Roger just spoiled he loves the movie. You don't, you don't know how I feel about it, so it's going to be more reason for you to tune in. I know.
0: It could get intense.
1: It could get intense. <laughs> uh, there's no musical, there's no aerobic number, so it already has that going against it. <laughs> Big slash right there. Uh, can you imagine those little slugs doing aerobics? Oh, I, I can, to, is the thing. I, I need can. to see <laughs> I need to see <laughs> <laughs> yes, listeners. So tune in next week while we discuss Slither and let us know your comments about Killer Workout, aka Robocide. Are there any of you actually fans of this movie? Let us know. And remember, hit us up on Apple Podcasts or even Spotify for five star ratings. All right. We love you. Good night. Good night, everybody.